All right, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Thank you, thank you. Very good. <clears throat> Canals count on Andy. Just a couple more amens. All right. Uh, great. No, welcome. It's, it's good to be here. Um, it's good to see you all this morning. It's actually pretty cool how everything for this morning's come together uh, in light of the, the series that Evan started following Christmas, kind of keeping these themes of uh, love, joy, and peace that we see kind of uh, sprinkled on our Christmas cards and obviously all through the holiday season. How do we keep those um, continuing on after Christmas? And so uh, Evan's covered peace and joy so far, and we get the topic of love this morning. And at the same time, it's, it's been cool to see it kind of come together in light of uh, this week and the significance of um, earlier this week. And so uh, earlier, this country celebrated the life of an individual who championed equality, who spoke out with conviction for the oppressed, and was a voice to the voiceless. Of course, I'm referring to Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He somehow managed to see unity amidst segregation and somehow managed to love amidst a time of extreme hate. It is in this canvas that we will pick up today on the topic of love, and honestly, when I spoke to Evan about teaching on love, one of the first things that went through my mind is, <laughs> oh my gosh, like how are we going to find a passage? I mean, I mean, love throughout the entire Bible is just kind of everywhere. It seemed like this, this daunting task. And so how in the world was, were we going to land on something and then uh, figure out a direction? And so I prayed and I contemplated for hours and hours and I came on this as to how I am called to love how I am called to love. I know that I'm supposed to, but how do I do that? I remember the also popular passage uh, on love found in 1 Corinthians 13, known as the love chapter. And if you're familiar with this chapter, yeah, you kind of know what I'm talking about. And if, you, if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, actually you probably do, because if you've been to a wedding, it was probably used at that wedding <laughs> at some point or another. And it was not until I read the chapters actually surrounding chapter 13 that God really started to convict me on how to love. We speak about loving others quite often, but how are we called to love? How was Martin Luther King Jr. able to love those who hated him so much? How could he, day after day, love everyone around him? How was Paul, the author of 1 Corinthians, how was Paul able to love his enemies that imprisoned him, that beat him and wrongly accused him? I'd like to reiterate that I'm in this process of learning to love, and I have quite a ways to go. Just ask Jill or anyone in my family. <laughs> Long ways. Some days are easier than others. I think we can all agree to that, and we can also probably agree that sometimes I don't even know if I have the capacity to love. And so with that being said, I'd like us to pause and I'd like to re, uh, you guys to relive a moment in my life. And maybe you've had similar moments like this. Um, but I'm going to take you back when I was an uh, uh, adolescent. At this moment in my life, on rare occasion, um, my mom and dad would take us to our family. They would take us to a different church. 
And again, if, if you don't know this about me, I'm from small town Minnesota. Go Vikings. <laughs> Something Minnesota can finally talk about. Um, small town Minnesota, in the middle of nowhere. And that's, that's where I grew up. And so every once in a while, on rare occasion, my parents would pack the family into our car and we would drive to downtown Minneapolis and we would attend a church service in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. My parents liked to expose our very conservative and sheltered family in a small town in Minnesota to the global church. Honestly, I hated it. Every time they told us we were going to go visit another church, I dreaded going. The music was different. The service was different. The teaching was different. The people were different. Fast forward to when I moved to Chicago, and so now I'm older in my life, and um, entering my 20s, I uh, go to Chicago to attend school. And wouldn't you know, the ministry that I'm placed with is on the west side of Chicago, which, as you can imagine, is not small-town Minnesota. And I hated that as well. I didn't know the people. I didn't know their lives. They were, they were different. They looked different. They spoke different. They acted different. You see, I like similarity. I like the people that are like me, the ones that look like me, the ones that act like me and speak like me. Anyone else is uncomfortable because it is simply put, different. It is easy to like those that are similar to me, but it is so much harder to like those who are different. And I think this is true for all of us, and I think we can all come to agreement with this, that humanity, we love similarity. Athletes like being around athletes. Similar people like being around similar people. Musicians like to be around other musicians. This is true essentially for every sort of category we could come up with. And so you think about your vocation. You like being around the, the same kind of people that talk your same language. And this is the same in Christianity. We like to be around other Christians that look and act just like us. Why? Because it is easier to relate to those who are similar to us. It is easier for me to love someone like me rather than someone so much different. And believe it or not, that's the context that 1 Corinthians 13, this love chapter, that is the context that it's written. And so if you haven't turned there yet, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12 and 13. We're actually going to be in both of them this morning. And I'll have some of the passages up on the screen as well. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Verse 13 is this love chapter that's also popular. But chapter 12 is actually going to paint the picture. And so um, I've, I've, we've got a couple verses on the screen here. If we just jump to chapter 13, verses 4 through 6, and we recognize this is a very popular verse. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, 
always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. If we just jump to this and we have, we have no setting, we have no context for why this was written, it's, it's just these nice words. And we miss the entire point that Paul is trying to make as to how we are called to love. And so he's trying to paint this framework he has set up for us for the Corinthian church. And so if we were to jump to the, the ever so popular verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. How many weddings have we been to where that was the main verse? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a great passage on love, but we are not talking about marriage here. Paul is not talking about marriage. And so if we read just chapter 13, we miss the whole point Paul is trying to make in love. So before we get into the love chapter, which we will get into, we must back up to the previous chapter, chapter 12. We've got these on the screen, but you can go ahead and read with me. You see, Paul describes in chapter 12 this diversely gifted church. This group of Christians who are gifted very differently. Uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Everyone is wired a little bit differently. As, as believers, we are gifted a little bit differently. Our personalities are going to be a little bit different. And, and that's all fine because Paul's going, hey, our similarity is in the Lord. He goes on to say in verses 12 through 14, chapter 12, 12 through 14, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Paul is describing this church, these, this group of believers and Christians, he's describing it as having many different people and many different gifts and abilities. But it does not just consist of different gifts, but of different ethnicities and backgrounds and ages. It is this beautiful mosaic that Paul is trying to present to the Corinthian church. And I believe to us this morning as well, it's what he's been pounding on my heart leading up to this point. God has created every single human being with this unique design, and he's divinely designed the church to reflect those differences. Paul is is, uh, is exhorting the Corinthian church to see past the differences and not only embrace, but to champion this difference. To love diversity. And when I say diversity, I don't just mean ethnic diversity. Of course, that's included, but in every aspect of diversity. We must also look to Christ, who, are, is, who is our ultimate example of love. Martin Luther King Jr. is a great example. Paul is a great example. They are nothing compared to Jesus. 
And uh, Evan actually touched on this last week when he was in uh, Philippians. In Philippians 2, you don't have to go there. We've got it on the uh, screen here. Philippians 2, 6 and 7, it says, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus chose to give up everything that separated him as God and become like his creation. He gave up everything that made him distinctly God to be with humanity, to be with his creation. And so I'd like to stop and pose this question as I was wrestling through all of this and and thinking about Jesus and how he lived his life and how different he was in regards to us, his creation, and to his disciples in particular, how often did Jesus lord over his disciples and tell them how holy he was and remind them of how sinful they were? It didn't happen. On occasion, of course, we are reminded of his divinity. And of course, he would point out sin where there was sin, but it wasn't in a way that lorded over us and constantly said, you know what, you're really messed up. You have no idea what it's like to be the son of God. He didn't do that. He chose to not focus on our differences, but rather see how we are similar as adopted sons and daughters of God. And that's a, that is just straight through Scripture, this idea of being adopted sons and daughters of, of, uh, of God. Jesus was the Son of God, and somehow he came down to us humans who are these adopted sons and daughters, and he saw us as equals. He sees value in each one of us and chose to love each of us so much that he, Philippians 2 verse 8, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave everything for us regardless of how different we are. He loved us despite our differences. Despite our rebellion, this is how we are called to love. That is how we are called to love. And so now I ask this. I'm going to pose this question. I've got it on the screen. Do you only see difference? And this is the hard one. This this is difficult. Do you only see difference? difference. If you are old in age, do you look down on those younger because they do not have the experience you do? If you are young, do you resent those who are older because they have a harder time understanding today's culture? This mindset extends to men and women. It extends to all ethnicities. It's hard Because if you're like me, when I walk into this church that's totally different in downtown Minneapolis, all I see is how different it is. And I completely forget the similarity that we all share. And here's a tough one. Politics. 
Do we immediately cast judgment on others simply because their politics are different than our own? That's a hard one. And I think it's getting harder and harder in today's culture and society as more and more issues seems to surface. And I just need to open Facebook for like seriously 10 seconds and I'm reminded of how politics separates us. I can't scroll through without seeing the separation based off of people's b beliefs and, and, and all these different issues. And we're so quickly to debate and we're so quick, quickly to cast judgment rather than stopping and focusing that we are called to love. And so as, again, all of this is percolating, God brought me back to Genesis, back to creation. And we actually covered this with the students a couple weeks ago. But it goes back to creation when God divinely breathed this breath of life, this spirit of God into humanity, and he made us alive. His spirit into us. Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, shared this same breath that was breathed into us at creation. And we share that same breath with all of those around us, whether it's at our church, whether it's in our communities, our families, our neighborhoods. This same breath of God, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of our differences, we, all, we are characterized with this breath that God has given us as his creation. And it is with this same spirit that we are called to love, the same breath that we are called to love those who are different than us. Do we use this breath to love, though? Or do we belittle those who are younger, resent those who are older, or hate those that think differently and distance ourselves from those that act or look different. Our tendencies are to see the differences first. And that usually keeps us from finding the similarities. As Christians, we have one huge similarity, and that is this saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's not wrong to see difference. You don't have to travel very far to see difference. Looking out here, there's a lot of difference. It's wrong to only see difference. God designed the church with many different gifts, but love is not a special gift. It is commanded of all of us. Paul describes all these different gifts, but love is not one of them. Love is something we're all supposed to do. And so with that being said, I wanted to bring us back to a, a quote that Martin Luther King had. And I've got this up on the screen again with this in light of everything that Martin Luther King tried to communicate, everything that Paul has been trying to communicate to the Corinthian church. I thought this quote was appropriate. And he said this, and he says, and this is what Jesus means, I think, in this very passage when he says, love your enemy. And it's significant that he does not say like your enemy. 
Like is a sentimental something, an affectionate something. There are a lot of people that I find it difficult to like. I don't like what they do to me. I don't like what they say about me and other people. I don't like their attitudes. I don't like some of the things they're doing. I don't like them. But Jesus says to love them. And love is greater than like. Love is understanding redemptive goodwill for all men so that you love everybody because God loves them. And I think we forget. We tend to forget. I am the first to admit this. I forget that the divine breath that God gave me flows through every single human being on the planet. And so when God calls to love others, he is calling me, he is calling us to love his intricate and designed creation. Why? Because he loves them. Because he loves them. And, and this is where, this is this picture that he's painted, this diverse church, not, in, not just in gifts, but in, in all different stages and walks of life. And that is what we are here. And it is so easy for us and natural for us to only, to, to choose to be around those that are comfortable or those that are similar. It's easy to join a small group with only people that are much like myself. And not that that's wrong. But if that's, that's, if that's the only context of church that we have, we're not looking past the differences. And again, bringing it, I just thought it was so appropriate as, as we remembered Martin Luther King Jr. and, and, and everything that he stood for earlier this week that somehow some way he loved through that difference somehow some way Paul's trying to communicate to this Corinthian church and to us this morning that it's these differences we're all going to have them but we are called to love love those differences we're not called to like everybody because we are not going to And so with that being said, we're just going to read through 1 Corinthians 13, entire chapter right now, because you know what? We've been given this framework, this picture of love, and so now we get to read through this. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And pause for a second. Let me tell you, as a drummer, just hitting a cymbal over and over again, I'm annoyed by that. <laughs> I can only imagine for those of you who aren't drummers. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others on Facebook either. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And now verses 11 and 12 hit me really hard. It says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When I was an adolescent attending a church in downtown Minneapolis, I acted like a child. I saw those differences. They stood out. I didn't like it. And I didn't get over it. Not then. Now put our childish ways behind us. Verse 12, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror when we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That is how we are called to love. In this context of this different diverse church group of people surrounded by those who think and act differently than ourselves. Those are the people we are called to love. And so, do we only see this difference? But here's the hard application point today because this is just, it's just so hard to do this. When we see those differences we must go out of our way to love those who are different because we will not do it naturally. We like those that are similar to us. We like those that think and act similar to us. And in order for us to love those who are different, we need to move out of our comfort zone. We need to do something we wouldn't have done before. We need to say something we wouldn't have said before. We need to go out of our way. I hope we can learn a lesson from my adolescent self and see past this difference. And see the church as this uh, unified, diverse body of people. In fact, um, uh, a while ago when uh, Steve Captain was here, I had a meeting with him and he had an interesting statistic for me. It just blew me away. And he, and he said this. He said that... Uh, students um, in, in China, so he's a missionary all over uh, China and uh, some other countries, um, but he's been starting to work in China, and he said there are just as many students in China between the ages of 16 and 22, that is six years, 
There are just as many students 16 to 22 in China as there is the entire population of the United States. And so when we think of this picture of the church, it is so much more than just what we see here. And of course there are differences in this room. But when we, when we picture heaven eventually, when we're, when we're in this one bride of Christ all unified together, let me tell you, it is going to be so different. It is going to be so different. Why? Because that's how God has designed it. And so when I was a child, the difference stood out. Let's not be children. Let's not be children when we hop on Facebook. Let's not be children when we overhear conversations. Let's not be children when we see those who are different. But men and women who genuinely love those who are different from ourselves. And as we kind of lead up to communion here, uh, there was this, I was reminded of the parable of the tenants. And a lot of you guys probably know that. But Jesus told this parable about this master, this business owner who was, who was leaving for a little while. And he gave three of his subjects uh, different amounts of talents, different, different amounts of money. And, and, and so this, uh, this first guy, after he leaves, he takes, his, he takes what he's been given and he goes and he buries it. And he lets it sit there. He's, he's too worried that something might happen to it if he takes, takes a risk, uh, that, you know, that he would lose what has been given to him. And now the second and third guys, they go out and they, and they spend it. But they spend it and they use it so as to have a return. So when the master comes back, these two guys... They have more to show for it. But this third guy goes out, claws up this amount of money that he'd been given, this one talent, and he brings it back and he says, Master, here is that one talent. And he said, why did you bury it? Well, you could have at least put it in the bank. And now to love this diverse church, that is a talent we have been given. We can choose to do nothing with it. We can choose to say nothing. We can choose to do nothing. But that is not how we are called to love one another. And I say that because I know myself and all the differences that I see in those around me, and they stand out, and it is so hard to see past those differences sometimes. But that is what we are called to do, and Jesus did it himself when he gave up everything that made him distinctly God and came down to be a human just like us, and he didn't lord it over us and remind us just how terrible we were. He goes, no, I love you. In fact, Scripture is very clear that, uh, that we are reminded that, that no matter what's happened to us, no matter where we've been, these, these loving arms of Jesus are open for those who believe in him. There is no one that's out of his reach, no one out of this love 
You see, Christ loved the difference. When he saw it, he said, I don't care. I'm coming to save you. And so that is what we are reminded of as we take communion. And we're going to take, we're going to take it in just a moment. And if you made that decision to follow Christ, if you made that decision and you believe in him, we just welcome you to take it with us. Maybe that's something new this morning for you. If you've never thought of it or never been convicted in a certain way, I pray and encourage that you, that you sit and pray in your seat and, and wrestle through that. Because this is very, very hard love that God has called us to do. And I can say personally that I cannot do it by myself. And so let's pray before we take communion. God, we thank you for not seeing how different we were. God, I pray that you didn't see us for just sinners, that just rebellious people. But you said, you know what? Regardless of the differences, I am going to come and save you. That all we have to do is believe. Believe. And then once we believe, we are a part of this church. And as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, we are called to love in a certain way that is totally opposite to anything that we could do on our own. Completely opposite of anything we would even want to do. God, help us love. Help us to go out of our way because that is what we need to do. We cannot, and we recognize we cannot do it on our own. God, help us. Help us to love how you loved us. And thank you for giving us the church. Thank you for giving us and wiring us and making us so different. So the only thing we can say is, we are the body of Christ. We are this church of Christ. And that is what unifies us. Help us to love like that. In Jesus' name, amen. sure that you are going to have the opportunity to love someone this week that is very different from you. Just because, thank you, Dan, for bringing that to our attention. And